0: But James chapter two, um, we're in this morning and I've been or we've been in the the midst of a series of messages from the book of James entitled A Faith That Works, A Faith That Works. And today we're in James chapter two. I'm reading beginning at verse 14 down through the end of the chapter. You can follow on the screen. I trust you have Bibles with you as well. Um, James chapter two, beginning at verse 14. And so this is what James writes. Are you ready? Come on. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Because our ears got to be open. James talking. He's talking to us today, right? He says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish people. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless or dead? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. You try to say that, credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And today, our message for this morning is entitled, A Faith That Acts like faith, a faith that acts like faith. Will you pray with me for a moment? And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is still alive and active and able to pierce through our souls. And I pray, God, that you would use your word to speak to us, to instruct us, to lead us into your perfect will for each one of our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. And so, again, as we have been going through the book of James, we're asking and answering the question, what does faith really look like? What does it mean to have real faith? That is a faith that saves. We might say a faith that works. And as we've said, James has been making a point that only a faith that works is a faith that works. And I'll let you figure that out all out, Okay. Or we might say, as per our title this morning, James is calling us to a faith that acts like faith. Oh, there's a story I like to tell. You may have heard me tell it before, I've probably told a hundred times, but I think it's worth telling again. Because I just like it, okay? Even if you don't, I like it, okay? <laughs> But it's about a man who's, who's hiking, he's, 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 he's walking along a, along a cliff, he slips, and, and he's going to fall hundreds of feet down, and on his way down, he grabs, he grabs a branch that's sticking out of the side of a cliff. Have you seen those, those branches that come out of the cliff? He's hanging there, and, and he doesn't know what to do, and so he looks up to the sky, and he cries out, is anybody up there? The clouds come rolling in, right? And, and, and a voice comes from the clouds. Yes, my son, I am here. Well, can you help me? And the voice says, do you believe in me? I believe in you. Do you trust me? I trust you. Do you have faith in me? I have faith in you. Let go of the branch. The man thinks for a moment. He looks up back at the clouds and he says, is anybody else up there? We might ask, well, did he have real faith? Did he believe? Did he trust? Let me say that my concern, I think it's the same concern that James had, but my concern for many years regarding people who come come to church, sing the songs, pray the prayers, they call themselves Christians, they claim to have faith, but my concern has been to have people such as that People who claim to have faith, but who lack compassion towards those in need, are mean towards those around them, even within their households. They have foul mouths. They're living lives of immorality. There's no obedience to God and so forth. And I've had to ask so many times, what is their faith really all about? Do they really believe what they say they believe about God, about Jesus, about salvation, about the word of God and so forth? Listen, James wants us to realize that real faith acts like faith. Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand, but we know from the scriptures that as followers of Jesus, as the apostle Paul wrote, that we are saved by grace Through faith, this is not from yourselves, but is the gift from God. Aren't you glad for that this morning? For we are thankful that in order to be forgiven of sin, to receive the gift of eternal life, to enter into a relationship with God as our heavenly father, to receive the promise of heaven, to be saved. We don't need to follow a strict and stringent law. We don't need to prove ourselves to God. We we don't and we can't work our way to heaven. But all we can do is respond to the grace of God shown to us through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. As we give ourselves in faith, we give ourselves to following him in faith. And the Apostle Paul makes it very clear in his letters to the churches that we are justified, made right with God. We are saved by faith and faith alone, not by work so that no one can boast. And James understood all of this. He understood what that meant, what it meant to put one's faith in Jesus as the son of God and savior. And we saw last week in in, in verse one of the same chapter where he refers to the people to whom he's writing, the, the people in the church. He refers to them as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's where it all begins. Believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. We might say his whole letter is based on that premise, on that understanding. But James had a particular concern on his mind when he wrote this letter. For he was concerned with those that that would call themselves believers. Would actually live lives that showed anything but faith. He was concerned that these believers would actually go on to live lives that demonstrated their faith or more accurately flowed out of their faith. James was concerned that they wouldn't just declare faith in Jesus or give some mental assent to a doctrinal statement or pray some prayer, but that they would actually be born again, regenerated in such a way that they would live out the faith they had claimed to have. Listen, for James and for Paul, the sequence is the same. We're going to bring it up here on, on the screen here. right? The sequence is the same. That real faith, people of real faith, they then experience regeneration or salvation. Real faith always leads to regeneration or salvation, which then leads to a change in behavior, a change in lifestyle. The old word, I've said it before, the old word is conversion. Right? Real faith. Not just coming and praying a prayer, and then we go on to live the same way. There's something wrong in that picture. And that's what James is concerned with. That real faith leads to regeneration, which leads to a change in behavior, a lifestyle, leads to a life that is filled with good works. A faith that acts like faith. Paul wrote of the same thing when he wrote to the Galatians about faith working through love. And to the Ephesians, he wrote, for we are God's workmanship, God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, where there is real faith, there will just naturally be a new way of living. James was calling the people. He was calling us to a faith that acts like faith. And so let's look at the scripture. Let's just unpack it a little bit. Verses 14 and through 17, James begins with a question. Actually, two questions that are connected. He asks, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Now, he's asking what we call rhetorical questions that are are questions whose answers are supposed or understood. So he asks, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but has not deeds? And what's the answer that he's expecting? What good is it? It's no good. It's no good. See, we get it, right? And then he says, can such a faith save them? And the answer he expects is no, of course not. And then he goes on to give an illustration. He want, And he once again describes an interaction with a person who is obviously poor and in need. And the response to that person, most likely here by a, a supposed believer, right? the response is a gracious one. I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying that God will provide some food and shelter for you and that you'll be taken care of. Be blessed. Be blessed. But the person saying those words does nothing to help the poor person's condition. And James then poses the question again. What good is it or of what profit or advantage is there in that? In other words, did your words, your nice Religious-sounding words bring any help of substance to the person in need. Did your nice words provide in any way? Obviously not. And in verse 17, he comes to what I would call conclusion number one, when he says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In other words, just as saying kind words to a person in need but not doing anything substantial to help them is of no profit, it's no, of no good, it's of no value to them, for it doesn't help alleviate their situation, so too when faith, when not accompanied by action, is of no profit, it's of no good, it's of no value. Such a faith becomes merely a bunch of nice-sounding words that do not bring any kind of profit to the one who says them, nor to anyone else around. See, again, James is calling us, is calling for a faith that acts like faith. And he goes on in verse eighteen and, verses 18 and 19 to speak of the challenge. And James imagines someone challenging him on this point by saying, well, you have faith and I have deeds, or they could have said you have deeds and I have faith. In other words, they want to be able to separate the two. They want to say, well, listen, right, we're all different. We all have different gifts. Some people are people of faith, whereas other people are people of works and good deeds. You know, some people, their gift is to pray in faith for others. And some people, their call is works of charity. And James returns the challenge. He says, show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. That is, you can't separate the two. You might claim faith, but you have little to no case unless your faith is accompanied by deeds that demonstrate it. And he gives another illustration. I love James because he's so, like, down to earth, right? He knows we need word pictures. We need illustrations. This time his illustration, we can say, it's almost a crazy one, and yet it's true and its point is well taken. For, remember, James is speaking to a mostly Jewish audience, Jewish believers in Jesus, And he refers to a core belief, really for both Jews and Christians, that there is one God, one God. He's really referring to the Shema of the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And James says, you say you believe that to be true? You recite that? You you say you hold on to that. Well, that's good. He says, but listen, even the demons believe that and shudder. Wait a minute, that's a little shocking for him to say. I mean, doesn't that rattle your cage a little bit, you know? You say you believe there's one God. You say you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You say you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Good, even the demons believe that. I mean, to compare our faith with what we say we believe to the knowledge of demons, it's insulting. But James is making a very strong point. But listen, he said, the demons believe There is one God that is they know it to be true for them. It is an acknowledgement of reality. And they even respond to that knowledge filled with fear because they know one day they're going to be judged. But their knowledge of God has nothing to do with a real and saving faith for the demons. In spite of what they know about God, about Jesus and so forth, they've not repented of sin. They've not been regenerated, and and, and thus they've not gone on to live or exist in a brand new way filled with good works. Oh, the demons might understand or believe in God. Listen, there's there's no agnostic demons or atheist demons. They don't exist. But you cannot call what they have faith. In actuality, it is far from a saving faith. It's far from a faith that works or a faith that acts like faith. I mean, he's got our cage really rattled now, doesn't he? But he goes on to then give a couple of biblical examples to prove his point, two very different examples. But look how he starts. Again, he starts up in verse 20. After he says it about demons believing and shuddering, he says, You foolish person. In other words, that could be translated as you ignorant and spiritually deficient person. Oh, thanks a lot, James, you know. That is, by arguing the point, you're showing something about your character. You're showing, you're revealing the kind of person that you really are. You foolish person, you ignorant and spiritually deficient person. But James continues, okay, I'll play the game with you. Do you want proof? Well, here's two examples right out of Scripture, two examples of two very different kinds of people who demonstrated the need to partner one's faith with works or deeds. And the first example he gives is Abraham. I mean, Abraham is used throughout the New Testament over and over again. Right Here's Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, the most respected of the patriarchs. You see, in Genesis 15, 6, We read that Abram, that was his name before God changed his name to Abraham. But Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. You see, this is at the point where God makes a promise to Abraham that that God was going to give him a son to be his heir in spite of his age. And in fact, God has Abraham at that time look up at the stars and says to Abraham, count them if you can. And so shall your offspring be. And that's when we read, Abram believed God and God responded to Abraham's faith by declaring him as righteous, a righteous man. Well, many years later, we get to Genesis 22. Many years later, after a number of bumps in the road, Isaac, the promised son, is finally born and everything seems to be back on track. But then God makes a request of Abraham. Many of us know the story well, that God wants Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, who's probably at least a young teenager in it now. And Abraham is is about to go through with it. He's even laid Isaac on on an altar, and he's he's got the knife raised when God intervenes. And then God says through his angel, now I know that you fear God. There's a link there to faith. Have real faith in God, because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now, James refers to these two events in in backwards order, because he's making a point. That it was Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son, that is his deed, that became the proof of the reality and the validity of Abraham's faith. We see in Abraham faith and action working together. Abraham, you see, declares his faith and then couples that faith with obedience to God. And so James says, listen, and there were three outcomes from this. One, Abraham's faith was made complete. That is, his faith was brought to its end goal. It was brought to its intended end. And the scripture was fulfilled. That is, God had already declared Abraham as righteous based on his faith. But now the truth of God's declaration was revealed. And Abraham was called God's friend. In other words, by means of what he did, the proving of his faith, Abraham was brought into this very special relationship with the God in whom he claimed to to have faith. I wonder how many of us want to be called God's friend. Amen. And the question that James would have us think about is really this. He doesn't say it outright, but he's getting our minds thinking. The question would be this. What would have happened if Abraham, after saying that he believed God, had withheld his son from God? If he did not follow, what would have happened if he did not follow up his words of faith with actions of faith if he didn't obey God. And it seems that James is saying to us that even Abraham's words of faith would have been of no use, no profit without his obedience. And so he comes to conclusion number two in verse 24 when he says this. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In other words, our right standing before God comes through faith, but it's a faith that always spills over into what we do, how we live, whether or not we live in obedience to God. And if that doesn't happen, then we need to question whether or not we have had real faith in the first place because, you see, faith will always act like faith. And then verse 25, he gives us a second example. Are you still with me here this morning? right? This is tough stuff, right? I was praying this morning again. I'm like, God, you don't like show me like like how to like make this like work in my own life. Like, you know, where am I falling short or what's going on? It comes to verse 25. Example number two is Rahab. And Rahab's story is found in Joshua 2. And the Israelites are entering the the land of Canaan. And the, the first city that they need to defeat is Jericho. And Joshua sends in two spies to check things out. And the spies end up hiding in the house of the prostitute Rahab. And while there, Rahab makes a great statement of faith. Listen to what she says. She says, Yahweh, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. I mean, what an incredible statement of faith for a pagan prostitute. But James points out that it was out of that faith or because of that faith that Rahab acted to hide and save the Israelite spies. Not only that, but it was her actions that proved her faith. Thus, when the rest of the city was being destroyed, if you know the story, Rahab and her family were saved. Hebrews 11.31 puts it this way. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab had a faith that acted like faith. Listen, I want you to notice the contrast that, that James uses between the two examples given. Abraham, the patriarch of the Jews, and Rahab, a pagan prostitute. But in each of them, we see the same thing. Faith accompanied by works, by deeds, by actions. And each of them were considered righteous, righteous before God, not just based on what they said or because they prayed some prayer or whatever it was, but based on what they did. In other words, as we said last week, listen, God has no favorites, right? Do we understand that? God has no, everyone's treated the same. The same grace that was available to Abraham was available to Rahab. And the same expectations are placed on each of them. I just want to tell you this morning, whether you're in the sanctuary here or online with us, that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from or what you've done, what your past has been like, good or bad, but the grace of God is available to you. The grace of God is available to you, but also the same thing is expected of of each of us. Not just the mouthing of words of faith or the recitation of a creed or praying the prayer, but a faith that is alive and active to the point that we are truly regenerated. We become new creations and thus become people who begin to live in a whole new way. We're called to a faith that acts like faith. And Verse 26, James comes to what we might call his final conclusion, conclusion number three. And if you'll notice, James keeps on saying the same thing over and over again. You know why? Because he wants to make sure we get it, right? He keeps on saying it over and over again, the same thing in different ways And so James gives his conclusion in this way one final time using another word picture. He says, listen, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. See, it's a word picture he gives to us. We can all picture it. The body laying in the casket, it's got no spirit, no breath. In Greek, the word spirit and breath, it's the same thing, same word. As a body without breath, as a body without spirit is dead, it's totally lifeless. James says in the same way, our faith, our words of faith, our confessions of faith, our prayers of faith, and so forth, there, it, our faith is dead. It's lifeless if not partnered with, with a proper kind of life, with proper works and deeds. One cannot claim to have have a faith that's filled with vitality and life and power unless that faith is demonstrated through the right kind of action and living for real faith always leads to the right kind of living real faith always acts like faith you know martin luther in his commentary on the romans and martin luther didn't like james guess Martin Luther, you know, was the one who, who, who brought to the surface that, that we're saved by faith and faith alone, that we can't work our way to, to, to heaven. And, and, and he brought to the surface something that was so true and the church was missing at the time. And yet Martin Luther himself wrote these words. Oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it not to be doing good things incessantly It does not ask whether good works are to be done. But before the question is asked, it has already done this, and it's constantly doing them. Whoever does not do such works, however, is an unbeliever. Wow. He gropes and he looks around for faith and good works, but knows neither what faith is nor what good works are. Yet he talks and he talks with many words about faith and good works. You see, Martin Luther understood really what James and what Paul was saying. That that real faith, real faith is a faith that's proven by the way one lives, acts, behaves. It's a faith that's backed up by all kinds of good works. It's a faith that just naturally leads to obedience to God. And it's not that we work for our salvation. It's not that we add good works. Oh, now that I'm saved, I got to like start trying to be really good. But rather, our good works, the life we live, are just a natural outflow of our faith. That is, if it's a real and living faith, because we've been born again. We've been born again. We've been made new. So is it any wonder th- that throughout, throughout history, throughout church history, real Christians, people of real faith have just naturally lived their lives filled with all kinds of charity, building schools and hospitals, taking care of orphans and aliens, rescuing those who were enslaved, serving the poor and the oppressed, and and so forth. Is it any wonder that those of real faith have lived their lives in obedience to God, even when it meant going against the culture or sacrificing personal comfort or taking on hardship, going to a mission field like we just saw from our missionary? I have to ask you this morning, I have to ask myself, does your faith act like faith? Because you see, we ought to be able to say, each one of us, that because we believe in one God and in his son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit, Because we believe that our salvation is a gift of God brought to us through the mercy and grace of God. Because we believe that Jesus died for our sin, rose from the dead, is alive today at the right hand of God the Father and and is one day returning for His children. Because we believe that this Bible is God's Word, His life instruction manual for us and the revelation of who God is and His will for our lives. Because we believe we live our lives with an overflow of faith, of grace, of mercy, of gratitude, of love. Because of our faith, our lives just naturally spill over with the fruit of righteousness and obedience to God. And if that's not happening in your life, that's not happening in my life, I need to take a step back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I just mouthing words? Did I just like... Pray a prayer, go into some waters, get dunked. But my heart is void of real faith. See, our faith, if it's real faith, will just naturally act like faith. Church, let me say from a pastor's heart, it ought not be that we have people in our churches who for years and years have been declaring their faith in Jesus and yet step into a pastor's office and speak of all the immorality and disobedience in their lives. It ought not be that those who call themselves Christians go home and verbally abuse their husbands, their children, their wives, or whatever it might be. It ought not be that we have those in our churches who declare faith in Jesus and say they have experienced the grace of God and yet have hearts that are filled with anything but compassion for those in need. Church, I want us to hear James' words today. And it might be that some of us just need to take a step back, confess our sins, our failures, allow the Lord to begin to work anew in our lives. Allow God to change our hearts that we might truly be regenerated, born again, and go on to live a whole new a whole new life in a whole new way. Amen? Amen, church. Will you bow your heads with me? Just bow your heads with me as we pray. We're going to be concluding in just a moment. The worship team is coming, but just pray right now. I don't know how... The word today applies to you, your situation, your life. But allow the Holy Spirit to take God's word and to apply it to your life. Are you a person who just has claimed faith? You declare faith, you maybe pray to prayer of faith, and yet it was just words. You know, it was just words. Maybe you were trying to get the pastor off your back get a husband or wife or mom or dad off your back? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to come and to make you new from the inside out to regenerate your life that your faith would be such that the people would see the good deeds of your life and Give glory to God in heaven. And if today, maybe you've never taken a step of faith, to put your faith in who God is and what he's done for you through his son, Jesus, today could be your day. Again, not just to mouth some words or pray a particular prayer, but to open up your life by faith to the true and living God, to the grace that he offers you, to the work of your Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, that you might know his his, his grace, his mercy, his salvation, the gift of eternal life, the hope that he gives to you, that you might be changed from the inside out, that all things, old things would pass away, all things would become new. Father, this morning we, we open up our hearts to you. We open up our lives to you. God, I just ask you to forgive me where I have failed, where my life has not backed up, the words of faith that I've declared. We pray that together. God, that you would help us. God, that you'd renew us, that you'd restore us, that truly we would be a people who would be born again, made new, completely new from the inside out. That our lives, the way we live our lives day to day would represent who you are and all you've done for us. That our lives would represent the things we say we believe. Because God, we don't want to be like demons who just acknowledge some, some reality of truth, but we want to be men and women repentant before you, open to the ministry of your Holy Spirit and able to live the way you have called us to live. So God, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, our minds, our spirits, all that we have, all that we are, all that we ever hope to be. We lay it all at your feet today jesus name we pray we just stand together church and let's just sing this song as our prayer of dedication this morning just just lifted your voice to the lord today